back to Pastors with a podcast. This is the first episode of, I'm going to go ahead and call it season two. We're, okay. we're, this is going to be season yeah. two, and we're going to be doing something a little bit different this year. Instead of going through different lectionary texts, we are doing this as a series, not your grandparents' Bible. We are going to be talking about the weird, the controversial, and the oh-so-strange portions of Scripture that sometimes people don't like to talk about in the pews. So it's going to be a little bit X-rated, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So hide your kids. Hide your wife. (laughs) Because we're talking about Scripture up in here. I am Pastor Andy of First Presbyterian Church here in Seguin. It is great to be with you all. And joining me today are... This is Pastor Marcus Bagat at Emmanuel's Lutheran Church. This is Father Stephen Shortis at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church. Pastor Megan Elliott at Spirit of Joy Lutheran Church. Pastor Kelsey Tice, also at Emmanuel's Lutheran Church. And back with you, lodging in charge, the crab-catching, tomato-picking, squash-eating, kombucha-drinking... Pastor Paul Tice from Marion, St. John uh, Lutheran in Marion, Texas. Good to be back, folks. Well, all right. Well, I, I can't. I can't top that, guys. Today we are going to be starting. <laughs> Whatever does. I know, right? I don't know. I'm like, I'm never sure what to say after that. But okay, oh, you just get started. <laughs> well, today we are starting. Uh, where else will we start but the beginning? We are going to be covering the creation stories in Genesis. Yes, that's right. I said stories for all you biblical illiterates out there. There are two of them, at least. <laughs> I know. That was, ooh, that was harsh. That was ooh, harsh. With ooh, 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 nice. ooh, I'm feisty today. Okay, it's hot outside, all right? Um, we are, I don't know where kombucha fits into the realm of creation, but we're going to talk about creation. And uh, in particular, why are there two stories? Um, why do a lot of people not know that there are two stories? And how those stories are different? And what are some of the very interesting or strange things about uh, these two texts which we can bring out? So uh, I'll start with verse 1 here, and we'll, and we'll kick it off. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and what was, was a formless void, pardon me, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Let's that's, that's more than two verse one. <laughs> well, you know what? I just realized that when I when I read it on my screen, I like to get rid of the verse numbers. I'm sorry. <laughs> In the beginning, well, when God created the heavens and the earth. There, that's verse one. If, you're, if you are biblically illiterate, don't listen to Andy. He's going to lead you astray. I don't, Thomas I don't read Jefferson's good. Bible. You've got Thomas Jefferson's Bible. You've just cut out what you don't want. So what stands out to you immediately about this? I, I kind of have my own thoughts about the original Hebrew and how it's very interesting, but I want to hear what y'all have to say first. I was going to go straight for the Hebrew. You were going to go straight for the Hebrew? I was going straight for the Hebrew. In the beginning, the God of gods created the upwaters in the earth. Is that what you're... No, I was going to go for the fact that, like, you're supposed to... Like, the comma is there in English, but not in Hebrew. It's it's got an odd knock in Hebrew, and it's supposed to make you stop and stand in awe of the fact that God even created. And that's where I was going. That's totally cool, too. Though. I'm glad you, uh... There's also no article in Hebrew, no. so there's no definition of time. Right. Uh, but the English has given us time by saying the and when. 
Right. So to read it in Hebrew, uh, this was the only one of the few things I remember from sitting in the uh, good Dr. May Prasad's class. Now, Doctor, since she's got an honorary one, uh, in beginning, God created. So the point yeah. is not the time period at which, but that God simply yeah. created. I've even heard that it's not so definitive. It's like in a beginning, almost, like the sense that maybe there have been other beginnings. Mm. That's kind of a controversial thought, I guess. I don't know. It's the ancient world, folks. People were weird. Uh, <laughs> What's the body would have kept reading verse 2 because... Because God swept over the face of the waters. So was the waters there before creation? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and lots of other ancient Near East creation stories started with the water. Like the water is this like powerful force, and the gods tame the water, and that's how creation. Yeah. yeah. Like the Enuma well, Elish and stuff. Yeah, like that. and yeah. it's also it's also a narrative of. Israel's God being stronger and better than their God, yeah. right, overtaking them. Well, and there's of course the theme going with both of those those points in the Old Testament. The Hebrews are really afraid of the ocean traditionally. I mean, they personify water as being this chaotic, horrible mm -hmm. force. With the Leviathan. I was um, going to say Leviathan's Leviathan, out there. So the water destroys the earth. I mean, Jonah gets swept up in the midst of waters. He escapes in the waters and gets eaten there. I mean, <clears throat> the crossing ocean, the Red sea. crossing the Red Sea, the ocean is a terrifying place uh, in the biblical narrative. And so there is uh, this, this sense that God is descending upon chaos itself. Well, in and, and in those other creation stories, the gods always battle the chaos. So yeah. it's this like epic battle and creation is born out of that. And in this creation story, God is just like, boop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You and don't then, have any power over me, water. And then you have that continued struggle of light and darkness, which is picked up in traditions across the globe, yeah. going then down even further into verse 4, that the light was good and the darkness was bad. Darkness was something not able to be tamed, not able to be controlled, couldn't see what was going on. So this fact that not only could God create uh, order out of the water, of which no one can control, God can also control darkness and light, mm -hmm. which is a, a powerful image for what we see then in the New Testament with Christ being the light of the world. Right. And it's also the, the way that um, we have talked about darkness not only in darkness and light, not only in um, literal light and absence of light, but also when it comes to racial tensions as well. We've associated mm -hmm. that darkness with um, chaos and evil and all of these things when it's just, it's light and the absence of light, not necessarily dark is bad right um yeah i mean there's no value attached to it here um in verse three and four mm -mm. um god saw that the light was good but there's no commentary on the darkness being right. bad and the um, thought is if, if, correct me if if i'm wrong or if i have this this wrong in my head but that there's a lot of influence here from kind of persian mythologies or what would be called zoroastrianism this idea that the world the universe is in a duel between good and evil, light and darkness. Um, I think the um, terms in Persian are um, Ahura Mazda and Angra Manu are what's used. He's pulling out, not even Hebrew, you're pulling out the Persian? <laughs> I know, it's weird. Jeez. I'm a nerd. But I do recall, <laughs> I know, but I do recall that um, the thinking is that a lot of these texts were reworked over 
during the Babylonian exile period, and so mm -hmm. were heavily influenced by Persian and Babylonian dualistic thought. That's that's one thing that I kind of recall and learning about. Heavy in uh, Canaanite religion and things as well. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, they tell it this way, but we're gonna tell it this way, and and their way is okay, but our our way is better. Right. <laughs> um, well, and I think, in terms of, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is I'm pull, I'm going back way far into um, Hebrew Bible one, but I wasn't the creation stories were one of the latest written. That's my understanding too. Yeah, written perhaps in exile. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be your Persian influence. But it does. Speaking of <coughs> night and day and dark and light, you know when God gets the whole order of this creation kind of set, He then calls it all good. Mm -hmm. And God said it was good. So mm -hmm. darkness isn't really bad. It is, as you were saying, Pastor Kelsey, the absence of light, the absence of whatever might be good. Um, and the, those rhythms of light and dark, night and day, seasons, I mean, they're baked into the, the crust of creation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a stuffed crust, too, which is my favorite. And I think it's important to point out here that uh, the formless void and we often associate that with chaos and God beginning to organize the chaos. Often in our modern culture, we see chaos or our life is being thrown into chaos. We want to say, oh, well, God must not be present mm -hmm. if, if things are going this way. But right off the bat, in the first verses of Genesis, God is right there in the midst of chaos, and I think that's an important lesson that we can learn, especially after this past year, we think, oh my goodness, COVID, and and what is it, the freeze-ageddon, or the, the freeze, what, did, what was the name? Snowmageddon. Snowmageddon. I thought it was snowbid. Snowbid. We've had all... If not, we claim it. We laid marking We've had all these these different chaotic experience in the past year and a half and it's based on our our beliefs and our founding principles if you will of scripture you know God has been right there in the middle of it this entire time right. well I'm going to push you a little bit on violent chaos chaos and I don't want to get us off track but chaos that comes across war yeah. you know stuff like that. Where where do we say God is in the midst of that chaos? Sure. Yeah, that it certainly adds a certain weight to it. How uh, do we differentiate yeah. human chaos? Yeah. yeah. And but we we see in scripture God was at the forefront of chaos. Yeah. I mean the Israelites didn't go into battle without God being in the forefront of chaos. Right. If chaos well, is going to be defined as the disruption of unity within creation. God is at the forefront of that interruption. Well, if we see violence as being, you know, kind of this sinful undoing of order or creation, then, I mean, the entire incarnation is Jesus descending into that chaos of death to redeem it. And so, I think that tracks. And one of the things I, because this is a strain of a theological thread 
that happens throughout the Hebrew scriptures, um, and and makes it way its way sometimes in the New Testament as well. Um, but talking about how God is in control over the the chaos, mm-hmm. um, which leads some biblical writers to make the jump that God. Um, commands the chaos in terms of sending it, retracting it, um, ordaining it, it, yeah, um, which can be, I mean, that gets sticky. Yeah, absolutely. It's a sticky wicket. I mean, you can have (laughs) the book of Job, which struggles with this idea, with with, um, how the character of the adversary is treated within Job is very, very different from parts of the rest of scripture, in which this agent of testing and undoing um, and and judging is somehow an agent of the divine. So mm-hmm. within the page of scripture, they they, they they struggle with where does unjustified suffering, for instance, where does that fit into the grand plan of the of the fabric of the universe? Um, and yeah, I, I think it definitely definitely relates to this question of chaos. Yeah, I think you lift up the Pastor Stephen. I think you lift up a very powerful point in that though is that. Is God the instigator of the chaos, proving a point to creation yeah. that God is playing at both ends of the chessboard, or is chaos a part of the human condition? But when we look here at Genesis one, humanity is not necessarily. If we're looking strictly at Scripture, humanity is not one of the pawns yet. Mm-hmm. It is creation. Right. So God is speaking to and dealing with creation. But I do, I do think it is a powerful piece because we were just talking before this recording about those in our communities who have, who have lost. Right. I think there's a really great chance that people who see God most often are those who win the wars, mm-hmm. but the losers never quite figure it out. And that isn't to say that they aren't perceptive, but that we see on the other side, well, where is God? That human suffering, where is God? Where is God in the loss of my child? Right. Right. Where is God in the loss of my loved one who was well last week but now has a diagnosis of cancer. Where is God in that? That is that is chaos. Yeah. That is that is God's spirit moving amidst waters that are uncontrolled. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's a powerful question to ask. I don't have an answer. I, I, but I simply I simply want to believe and hold on to the fact that even if it is me creating the chaos, God is still there. Absolutely. Well and I, I think part of the reason that, you know, COVID and Snowbed were um, bring up those those big theological questions too is that those were those were naturally occurring things like a, a pandemic I mean our response to it and how we've handled it is certainly um, within the scope of, of human action but the illness itself the weather itself um, those are things that exist in the natural world in creation right. and <clears throat> when you know, we can look at wars, we can look at, um, you know, violence, all of those sorts of things, and, and look at the human root of that, um, and the human instigation of that, but things like this but are... Even, I think natural things, natural chaos, you know, some might argue that snowbed is a result of global warming, and so yeah. that would be a... Uh, but um, the temptation, and I've known people that have told me COVID was from God yeah. to punish us. Mm-hmm. And so how do we... Well, and that's, 
Go ahead. Well, and that's the reason Katrina hit New Orleans because right. they're a whole bunch of sinful sinners. Right, well, and it was shaped like a fetus. The hurricane was, and so that's the proof. That's what Pat Robertson said oh, on TVN. He said, "Oh, it's shaped like a fetus. Therefore, that is proof that this is from God." Yes, which is insane. But there's a lot of people that believe crap like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Here we are. And so I guess my question is, how do we move on, and it's probably going to be very tribal, nationalistic, to say that God is somehow in front of chaos that, um, you know, really hurts. Mm -hmm. uh, you, know, you know, God is not the reason, as you rightfully point out, Marcus, God is not the reason maybe for some of these things, but certainly in the midst of some of these things. Mm. Because I, I remember talking with my dad about this many, many years ago. And my dad made a, a statement that has stuck with me. He said, God never causes it, but God can use it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you might get that really crappy diagnosis, but God can still speak to you, speak to those around you, use you as a vessel for whatever God has in store for creation right. itself. Uh, and I, I've, I've held on to that, I think. But so many times, though, and I think God's got big enough shoulders that we can do this and do this rightly. Job did it and it was okay. We can go, God, this sucks. Yeah. This is atrocious. No one in your creation should have to deal with this. And then it should be the Psalms of lament. Mm -hmm. I am lamenting in this. Help me be someone who sees differently or help me find something different in this. Or even, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, even Jesus on the cross, right? Psalm 22. Right. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, holy moly. Well, and you, know, you bring up a point that makes me think that I actually, I preached on this on Sunday, the difference between fatalism and providence. Fatalism is this very, you know, almost paganistic notion that everything happens with a very set, predetermined order that it cannot be diverged from. All you can do is try to make yourself stoically okay with it. Mm. That's not what providence is. Providence is what we are called to believe in, which is that God salvages anything that happens for the good, or that God is constantly working to bring grace out of chaos or violence or, or, or whatever evil or bad thing is in the world. And I think it's interesting that we're talking about, about God's level of control over chaos, because I want us to, um, before we wrap up, I want us to turn our, our attention to verse 26. Um, which has some very, some language in it about control that has historically been very troubling. Um, uh, we hear, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. That word dominion has had a lot of troubling um, consequences behind it. Yeah. <clears throat> I just want to talk in a very 30,000 foot view point for just a second. Mm -hmm. I love this ver these verses. This verse. Because you can imagine the person writing, well there's fish, there's birds, cows, <laughs> well there's other things too, and then there's all that crap on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> we have this very specific, we have this great specificity that all of a sudden, creeping and the creepy creep. things that creep, you know, like, okay. <laughs> I just think this guy was really into cows. Like, you know, cows deserve their own category. Own category. Own I love category. my cows. Man, or the... Moo, moo, moo. That's right. <laughs> but eat more chicken. Uh, <laughs> that's right, that's right. 
We don't want to I mean, attract the Chick-fil-A folks to this no. building. No. We want to keep them far away, right? We're still we're still working on uh, Disney. Yeah, that's true. Chick-fil-A. We are. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. I mean, Disney's got their own baggage. But, yeah, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> the, and, and I think, really, to your point, Andy, about Dominion, that is a... a it's one of those moments in time that I wish we could go back when the English translators were, you know, first working on the English translation and just say, maybe don't pick the word dominion. <laughs> maybe talk about being caretakers and um, then stewards. 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 Um, and that's how, that's, that's the preferred, uh, whenever we preach it and talk about it, that's our preferred choice of, sure. of translation, right, is mm-hmm. steward. Um, but the the strong concordance is very very specific for the verb rada. It's it's reign to have dominion, rule, dominate. Yeah. yeah. But within the context of scripture and what God has given us to do, I think it definitely reads different um, than the straight dominion dominion yeah. domination. But it fits, though, and I, I agree, but it fits with the way in which these verses are structured. Mm-hmm. There is reign, there is dominance, there is control. So that word fits exactly where the first 25 verses have led us. Mm-hmm. It is about keeping things in structure, keeping them in form, and one does that by dominance. Yeah. What has been perverted, though, is our application of yeah. Mm. So, indeed, we should have dominion over the fish. While I'm a great fan of Aquaman, that would be kind of weird. I'm glad that we've made it on this side of the ocean. I don't breathe a well underwater. But, at the same time... It would time, be more awesome than weird. <laughs> true, true. As long, as long as I could swim at supersonic speed. That's a pretty speeds. weird fish yeah. out there. I know, right? <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, I think there is something about that. But there is there is a very necessary role of stewardship, of mm-hmm. caretaker. Uh, but I think I think the word fits with where we have been. Uh, well, and if you're if you're going to that idea of reign and and dominance, the the scripture certainly supports. I mean, the prevailing image of a king in ancient Israel was a shepherd. Um, and so, and then Jesus, you know, he talks about the reign of God, the kingdom of God. Um, and so all of those images um, invite a very different reading of dominion than, um, I'm in charge and you're not, so suck it, fish. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus is trying to rebrand that narrative, right? And rebrand what it means what God's kingdom actually well you've you've heard it this way but it's actually like this and I think that's our job today is to try like okay yes that's the word and as Pastor Marcus points out well it does fit but our common cultural understanding of you know dominion and taking over things isn't what it's supposed to be it, it, yeah. we need to alter that and rebrand it yeah and dominion means something so different when there's six billion of you trying to dominate something mm-hmm. that creates some that that is a way more problematic thing than the well, you know yeah, God's trying to thousand. bring grace <laughs> life creation out of chaos we're created in that image to be a representative 
of God, God's likeness in this world. And so we are in that same, dominion is such a strong word, co-creators, maybe it's too, too mm -hmm. strong as well, but we are responsible stewards to create grace on earth. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I like that God has trusted God's creation in such a way. Um, and I think, you know, maybe we need to trust ourselves more that we were created in that image to be grace bearers um, and responsible stewards in a, in a world that often seems chaotic. Mm. Well, and, and I think, too, anytime we create beauty, we create art, we create music, we create a anything that brings connection to one another, to the earth, um, I think we are stepping into that role as co-creators. I know uh, we're getting the signal from Kelsey for wrapping it up, but I do <laughs> want to say, since this is not your grandma's uh, Bible, or grandparents' Bible, excuse me, we're being inclusive. Grandpappy. Um, <laughs> grandpappy, not your grandpappy's Bible. Um, I would like to say that we as Christians often read that our image, we read the Trinity back into that. Um, but I would just like to say that the ancient Hebrews were not quite as monotheistic as we no. like to ascribe. No. So right. um, <laughs> this is probably more referencing some sort of heavenly court where God is uh, like the top dog in the heavenly court, but... Um, Henotheism. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So more on that next week. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so you could check out First Kings chapter 22, verses 19 to 22 and Isaiah 6 for a reference to what Pastor Megan is. Thank the, you. The Thank lesser you. deities of the heavenly court. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and you just thought that there was one. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> well, that about wraps it. So we could go on and on talking about just Genesis chapter 1 because there's a lot of content here. Of and course. we will, I hope. And we will. And in the, the next episode. Leave that that we're going on through the Bible there, Paul. You can't you can't hang up on those details. You gotta keep on moving. Um no. It was a pleasure to be able to talk about this with y'all again. I, I uh, missed this and I hope our audience missed it and we look forward to coming back with you again next week. Until then, I am Pastor Andrew Limlin. Pastor Marcus Bukhoff. Pastor Stephen Jordans. Pastor Megan Elliott. Pastor Kelsey Tice. From that guy who does all those things when he's not here, Pastor Paul Tice. That dude. That guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Adios.